Hey folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously, I'm looking for you to join the Tortoise Shack and help support this left-leaning progressive podcast platform. Continue to put out the content that there are literally thousands of you listening to. And the way you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I just want to say thanks to everybody for the feedback to the Dara O'Brien interview. Negative and positive. It's all welcome. It's We are just doing our best to try and actually ask the questions even if we aren't satisfied with the answers we received and also think I thought it was quite touching some of the messages I received in relation to Luke Ming Flanagan's uh, talk discussion he had with us in relation to his own struggles with mental health and we're very grateful that he shared that with us and you our listeners anyway one more time please go to the Patreon link I can't tell you how difficult it is to try and maintain your independence especially when the first thing people are cutting in this cost of living crisis is the discretionary spending so we know it's tough out there and we need your help to keep the mics on and the conversations going I'm going to stop rabbiting on enjoy the podcast Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined on the podcast today, back by two guests that we've had before. Dr. Seamus Taylor, who is a colleague and head of department, my boss, so I feel very good, in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Minute, And Eileen Flynn, Senator Eileen Flynn, who listeners will be uh, aware of, is a um, fantastic senator based in uh, Leinster House, but also is a past pupil of ours, the Department of Applied Social Studies as well. Um, traveller activist, traveller campaigner, longtime social justice and equality campaigner. Um, delighted to have you both, Seamus and Eileen, back on the podcast. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I, I'm delighted to be here as well. I'm really delighted to be able to work with uh, Dr. Um, Seamus Taylor. Um, that was one of my uh, lectures in Minute. So it's it's really it's it's fascinating for me and to have a good relationship around um, to be able to trust someone to really analyze the, this piece of, uh, of legislation. To be honest, that that's great, and it's really interesting. Something we we might explore later in terms of that connection between. The university and our department and you know progressing the legislation and that and that area and the broader kind of experience the importance of that Seamus I'm going to go to you first because what we're going to talk about today is the hate crime bill that is going through the Dáil um, and the Shannon at the moment and some of our listeners have probably heard about it they mightn't be very familiar with it but maybe you could set out kind of briefly you know where is that where it's at now and what you think are the kind of main aspects to it. Okay, thank you very much, Rory, and I'm delighted to be here with Senator Eileen uh, this morning. Um, This bill started, the work on it started back in about 2019, believe it or not. So it's a long journey to get to where it is today. Uh, It's been through the Doyle and it got voted through the Doyle with a significant majority. It has now started its journey through this Shannad and... It's going into its second stage. So it had a first um, hearing um, debate last week, and now it's gone into its second stage. Um, Just to say what the bill is about, it deals with two things. It deals with incitement to hatred and violence, which is really all about hate speech and um, hate speech, basically. And then it also deals with hate 
offences, which are regular crimes that have a bias element. So, for example, you assault somebody and you damage their property, but you also racially abuse them or you homophobically abuse them when you do it. So it's got two parts to the bill. Now, going back to 1989, we did have incitement to hatred legislation dealing with the first part, hate speech. But it's had very few cases, prosecutions in the last 35 or 40 years. And it's seen as discredited, underused and failed. And now the EU requires us to have legislation that not only addresses hate speech and incitement, but also addresses hate crime. So Ireland is the last European country now to frame comprehensive hate crime legislation. The legislation now that's being developed, I would say it's got some good features and it's got some gaps. One of the very good features is that there has to be a way that you prove hate crime. And the way that the law is framed, it can either be done by proving the motivation of the person, what's in their mind at the time they commit the offence, or that they demonstrate hate at the time that they commit the offence. And that could be demonstrated through committing the crime, but also using racist language, homophobic language, or graffiti on a building or on a car or something like that. So I think that's one of the very strong features because having the demonstration test makes the law workable. Because if you rely on motivation alone, it's very hard to get into the mind of somebody and prove they will dispute it and say, oh, no, I wasn't thinking that about them. Uh, and most crime, you just have to commit it. You don't have to prove the motivation. But for hate crime, they're setting quite a high standard of motivation. But then they're saying that demonstration could be accepted as a way of getting at the person's motivation. So that's a very strong part of the law. On the weaker side of the law, the law uses the word hate and hatred, but it doesn't define them. Now, I think on balance, it's better to define them. And I think they should put in words like prejudice, hostility, ill will, contempt, bias, to say what is meant by hate, because otherwise it's left to judges. And I know judges interpret things every day in the court. But judges are cautious often in Ireland and they're not exactly bastions of progressiveness. You know, they and yes. so therefore I think it's better to spell out clearly what we mean by the key terms so we all know what we're dealing with. So that would be my um okay. two main points. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um Eileen, in terms of your own um, kind of view on it and support for it. Maybe you could explain to us. Do you know, uh, Rory? I've been working on um, campaigns since 2015. I was part of the launch of the Love Na Hate campaign, and it was uh, backed up by uh, 15,000 signatures. It was uh, supported by 90 uh, 
organisations within um, within uh, the country. Um, so this is something I've been very passionate about for, for many years. And if we were to look at the 1989 um, Act, the Incitement of Hatred Act, there were only, to the best of my knowledge, and a quote to Pope Havi point, there were only ever five successful uh, prosecutions from uh, from uh, from from that act, and we see hatred every day. We see it on our social media platforms. We see uh, um, racist attacks on people from other ethnic minority groups. We see attacks on the LGBTQI plus. We also, and some sometimes we forget about it. We see bullying and attacks on people with disabilities as well. You know, so I think hate crime and hate legislation, if you want, do, will impact. A lot of people. So, like, you know how we use during the same sex marriage that we all know somebody who is a gay or who is lesbian. In this case, we all know somebody who can be a victim of of uh, of incitement to hatred and can be a victim of um of a hate crime act. You know, and when I talk, like, I remember in 2015. And this is what really opened up my eyes and shaped my politics. Getting involved with Enar, a group with um, people from other ethnic minority groups. You know, if you want to know what the others are going through, you have to go out and meet the others. And as a traveller woman, a young traveller woman back then, I remember hearing stories where uh, one Muslim woman was spat at an O'Connell uh, bridge for, for, for what she believed was because she had the hijab. And, you know, and we see attacks that traveller homes are getting burnt. Like we see it in Galway, we've seen some cases in Galway, not too long ago, really, in the last uh, Two and a half years, where a travel, where a home, where travelers were given uh, the house, the house was burnt, and that's a hate crime act. You know, that's incitement of hatred, where you don't want the traveler family to live beside you, where you know you store up hatred. And we see it on our social media platforms. But I have to agree on with uh, Doctor um, um, Taylor when 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 uh, when when he says that you know we have to define what incitement of hatred is and in my opinion that's one of like that's one of the first amendments that need to go into this uh, piece of legislation i will support the, this legislation uh, tomorrow i will vote with the government on it because in my opinion we need a hate crime legislation we need something that will work that will make people from minority groups feel for somewhat of protection now it won't stop hate crime obviously it won't stop uh, people being bitter towards members of the traveller community, towards other ethnic minority groups. But what I will do is to help uh, support people to think twice before they act, if you know. And, like, again, I do think there's an awful lot of amendments that need to go into this uh, piece of legislation so that it works. It won't repeat... Uh, what happened? It won't repeat the 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 incitement of hatred act from 1989. That this piece of legislation will work for everybody, and again, most importantly, uh, Rory, that it will um it will educate people. As I said last week, we can't uh, legislate for for kindness and for love. But what we can do is we can educate. We we can legislate education, and I think a lot of people need to be educated around uh, um, hatred. What it means because we're, we're hearing a lot of uh, scaremongering at the moment, where people are saying it's it's oh taking away our freedom of speech, uh, um, our freedom to protest. That is not the case, as um, as Seamus has said. You know this uh, in this act, in this uh, piece of legislation, it's uh, proof. You need to be uh, show uh, proof 
motivation um, and a lot of uh, like so it's not just something that's going to say that oh your freedom of speech and again like what is freedom of speech is your freedom of speech calling members of the traveller community knackers uh, and calling people from our community names is, is that your freedom of speech when your freedom of speech become hatred and uh, blatant discrimination that's no longer uh, free speech that's 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 you setting out to hurt uh, people because of their uh, because of who they are Absolutely, yeah. No, very well said, Eileen, and, and it's very clear um, in terms of that. Is it is it going to progress and pass? Uh, well, it will tomorrow. It can go to second stage. And this is where, this could be kicked down the road, Rory, for the next five to ten years if we're not clever enough. Explain, not, not, not everybody will understand what going to second stage means. Do you want to yeah, no, second that? stage means that it got discussed in the Shannon. Now it'll have to go to committee. And a lot of the time, like the Traveller History and Education Bill, like other uh, pieces of legislation that's been years on the table, they go to committee stage. And basically, in my opinion, uh, if you don't if you don't have the passion to follow it up and push it through committees, that it's just another way of kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Uh, you know, so really what we need to do and what the civil engagement group will be doing is putting pressure on the committee to, to keep it alive to uh, trying to scrutinize it as soon as possible, put amendments forward in the committee, and then um, then it'll go through its final stage of the doll and, and, and the Shannon. But really, like if this government collapsed tomorrow, this bill could collapse with the government, you know, and all the other bills that we've done work on can collapse as well. So we, we need to be very uh, careful around pushing it through. And like everything else, it's uh, we've got very little action and a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, equality, uh, pieces of equality legislation, let that be for, for autism, for disability, for the traveller community, for other ethnic minority groups. It's the follow through that sometimes uh, the government fails is that most importantly. Um, so uh, that that really needs to be, to be pushed and not just kicked down the road. So, yeah. Eileen has touched on the most important risk at the moment. I think it's absolutely key when she says there's a risk that this will get kicked down the road. Um, and there sometimes when you get at law, it might be good, but it also in being good, it might be good enough as a start to build on. And I have a fear, and I think Eileen shares this fear, that what is emerging is a group of politicians on the right and a group of progressives from the left who are coming together with this huge array of concerns about the bill. And the result of it, if you keep picking at something, somebody would kick it so far down the road that it'll land into next year. Next year will be an election year. A government won't want to legislate for sensitive legislation in an election year. And then we will be without hate crime bill and then it won't come back for two or three years until there's a new government in and we could risk pro progressives um from civil liberties groups academics various ngos are in a sense vying for perfection but in doing that you actually can compromise uh, something that's reasonably good that can be built on. But what's happening then is that right-wing politicians are, 
there's a risk of them hijacking this and kicking it into the long grass and we lose it all. So there could be a wrecking ball game happening that the right-wing politicians are playing and that the progressives inadvertently fall into their trap. And I think we need to get this legislation. It's good. It's not perfect. It's far from perfect. But the, I am afraid of it being lost. Yeah. And just, just to follow on what you're saying, uh, Seamus, like, you know, we went for a briefing last week, okay, around yeah. gender identity. Yes, yes. And the briefing was, I, like, I've never been at anything like it in my whole life in, in the likes of, like, Leinster House, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. much owl, 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 owl nonsense talk. And, like, in my opinion, uh, Rory, I think it's really important that, that we live and we let live. Does that make any sense? Yes. Um, that's the most important. Um, so if I'm, sorry, I, I, I can, I, can no, I get back to this? Just, just give me a second. Yeah, yeah, no, no. In terms of Sheamus, you, you, you were attending that as well, hosted by um, Senator Michael McDowell and um, yes. Senator Ronan Mullins. Maybe you could explain just what, you know, what not, not yeah. but just broadly what the points were being made. And I know you raised the issue as well. Eileen, because she's very committed to listening to all sides, went to that briefing and she invited me to accompany her. And then we sat through it and... Um, it was hosted by Senator Ronan Mullen, and they had brought a speaker, Dr. Helen Joyce, over from um, London, and she'd written a book, Trans, When Ideology Meets Reality. And yeah. it was very much presenting an anti-trans um, perspective. And the various people asked questions. Um, Eileen was concerned with it and went out of the event um, and I stayed on to ha- ask a question. And I asked a question. I said, you know, it seems to me, regardless of your view on the trans issue within equality, that every single person has an equal claim on basic respect, dignity yeah. and the protection of the law. And I went on to cite a case that from when I worked in the DPP's office in London. And I said some of the most violent hate crimes that I ever crossed my desk were perpetrated against trans people. And I cited a case to them of a person who'd been in their workplace and had gone off to have a gender reassignment surgery and came back to their work after over three months. And on their first day back, they brought their lunch into work and they had sandwiches in a Tupperware, and they left it in the staff fridge, in the staff kitchen. And some of their colleagues broke up razor blades, you know, shaving blades, and put the razor blades into the person's sandwiches so that the person mutilated their mouth when they went to have their lunch. But not only did their colleagues do that, but they interfered with the person's scooter, which was parked down in the staff bike shed so that the person would have a crash uh, when they were cycling, you know, going home on their scooter. Now, to me, that was very direct, motivated hate-related violence. I said that at the briefing last week, and the reaction I got, oh, you just need to deal with that as violent crime. But what I found was that when I faced the people at that briefing, 
with the facts of a case, their own ideology, which was anti-trans, didn't allow them to countenance addressing such a case within hate crime law. It was like their ideology came first and the facts of a case couldn't get in the way of what they believed to be the truth. And I found that worrying. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, something uh, what I find very worrying is the, the whole um, child abuse. They really use the word child abuse and throw it around as if it was a weapon to really spare people. Um, I did walk out of it last week, uh, Rory, and the reason why is that, you know, obviously I went to listen and it was so hurtful because I don't understand trans rights 100%. And I'm not going to say I do because I don't. I'm a member of the Trapper community. I'm a heterosexual woman, you know, and, and we, we don't know everything about every single community. But the whole thing is, it's again, it's that living and living and let live. So, you know, even last week in the Shannon, I did feel I let me set down by saying, who gives a shit? Who, who cares about somebody's gender and a uh, gender but when uh, uh, you know that we should just let people live their life without being hateful towards the person you know like I don't care about and like a, 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 about anyone's gender about their identity what I care about is if you hurt that person based on who they are that's when it impacts me that's when it hurts me as, as a person because I know as a traveler woman what it's like to be the subject of hatred I know even as a as, 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 a, as a politician if you want you know what I mean that like being a member of the traveler community you still um you still experience racism and discrimination and like you know even with that taxi a few weeks ago myself and no no when you come out against racism and discrimination you're you're the, you're the, you're getting victims again because not only did that not only did that happen to you, but then you have to explain your case again and again and again. And you know something, this is a safe space to say this because I know a lot of the listeners are on similar sites was, but when some politicians are racist to the core, when some politicians are homophobic, uh, racist, uh, um, hateful in, 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 in the Shannon. Now we don't see as much of that as what we do in the doll, you know what I mean? And the Shannon is a lovely it is a lovely environment to work in. And, you know, there's always a few. And, and in this case, they're allowed to be, uh, to speak in, um, um, negative or to uh, make these out common posts. They're just doing their job. But as soon as someone like me would use the word sit in the chambers or use the word like, you know, you can't be racist or whatever and be strong about that, well, then I'm just a troublemaker or trouble riser, you know, that kind of way, yeah. while they're doing their job, like they're protecting us. And, 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 and again, I think from that briefing, like I, that last week, I remember just the passion in me saying, actually, this is every reason why we need a hate crime. We need a legislation that will work. Now, I will say to your listeners, it's a, not an ideal piece of legislation. It isn't. And I would uh, support uh, Fianna Gael, Fianna, I would encourage Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, the Green, Sinn Féin, uh, um, People Before Profit, Labour, um, everybody really to support this bill's past second stage and give us the opportunity to be able to put in amendments that can make the bill better and make the bill work for everybody. It's having it now. It's having a past second stage tomorrow and making sure we don't lose that. And again, like I've worked on hate, I've worked on this for the, since 2015 around getting the hate crime legislation in that will work for people from minority groups, and it's really about now following this through uh, and making and the I'm, amendments. I mean, just well. on that, a question on specifically the 
the anti-traveller racism and discrimination, how do you think it would improve that? It would make people think twice. It would be no longer acceptable to burn down uh, accommodation that, that a traveller family are getting, you know, because uh, there will be strong legislation in, in, in place around, uh, around, uh, around hatred. And again, Rory, it's not going to change overnight. It's not going to, like we've seen it in other referendums, we've seen it in other uh, pieces of legislation that change just because you allow two men to get married or allow two women to get married, the same sex uh, marriage didn't mean everyone was running to be to be married, you know what I mean? And it didn't stop homophobia within Irish society and, and we see that. So it's not going to stop hatred, it's not going to stop discrimination. What this bill will do is make people think twice and most importantly for people from ethnic minority groups will see that, you know, that the government does give a damn. Well, they should give a damn. And this is what this is what this piece of legislation will do. OK, no, that's very clear. And I think well explained, Eileen, in terms of the, the impact, because there would be people question, like, what difference is this actually going to make in terms of, you know, people's real life? But like you might be able to even get a taxi home. You might be able to to um, that, that that people would think twice, you know, before they bully a child uh, who is disabled or have a a learning dis- uh, difficulty or, or has a disability, you know, because, like, we may not talk about it, but, like, we still live in a nasty enough old world, you know what I mean? If you're anybody that doesn't fit into the box, and it's really to to protect people, to make people feel that little bit more protected within Irish society. And if you were to go out and, and, and to be, you know, say if a traveller um, was working in a shop and or in a chip or whatever it may be and you didn't get the right order, like, you know, you won't be able to say, oh, you're scruffy knacker and, and blame it under identity yeah. and to be hateful under identity where, you, you, you know what I mean, that you can be prosecuted from it. And again, Maury, for me, it's not about locking people up and putting them behind bars and saying that's it. No, it's really education, and hopefully, this legislation will educate people. Most importantly, as um, as Seamus has has said, a lot of work needs to be done, and a hell of a lot of work needs to be done on this piece of legislation. But I have every faith as community uh, workers, as um, in the department of Manu. Um, you know, the likes of Pabby, Pint, the Irish Traveller Movement, ENAR, the National uh, Women's Council of Ireland, we can all do this. We can all make 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 a, a hate crime legislation that will work for all of us. And, and thanks, Eileen. And Seamus, just in terms of, you know, that, that kind of, you know, in terms of the culture wars, you know, and this thing that, oh, this is actually going to further fuel that and you know in the far right and give them ammunition to further say you know that there's the the woke agenda trying to restrict their freedom of speech you know how how do you try and you know overcome that or we just need to say well except uh, there are they are going to continue the legislation that's been enacted in ireland is not going further than the legislation in any western liberal democracy so our so-called liberal democracy it's not it's not going further than what exists elsewhere in Europe. It may have one or two elements that aren't in other countries, but it's it, you know what it's got on one side, it doesn't have on another side. There, um, the reality is every society now is diverse. It's diverse along ethnicity lines. It's diverse along sexuality lines. Uh, you know whatever um, protected ground we take, and. The more we live in diversity, the more we need basic ground rules to enable us to do that successfully. 
And those ground rules should be founded on respect, dignity and protection for everyone. And hate crime law is part of the basic infrastructure that enables us to live well together with respect for each other. And I I would see this law not being used very often. If we have a comprehensive education strategy from the earliest level of schooling that educates all of us to respect diversity, if we have a national equality strategy uh, that seeks to reduce inequalities that affects people in poverty, ex- those experiencing identity discrimination, then the situations where you need to resort to using the hate crime law should be fewer and should yes. be a minority of cases. Um, so I would say that this law is Ireland in catch-up rather than Ireland at the forefront of any so-called woke culture war. It's not that at all. It's basic legislation that we're required to have, and it's not going beyond, um, beyond what exists in other countries. There's actually one feature of it, again, that I think is, is to be welcomed, and that is in the incitement part. In the past, under the 1989 law, you had to intentionally do something. Now the law is going to, as well as include intentional, it's going to also include recklessness as a test. And that's important because if you do something, make a speech, whipping up haste in an audience or in whoever is listening to you, and you're reckless as to the likely impact of what you're doing, you can be potentially prosecuted. And the test of recklessness is important to introduce. We, you, we say, we all know, remember when Donald Trump, you know, led the thing to Capitol Hill encouraging yeah. people. That was, in a sense, reckless as to the impact of what he was saying. And it was inciting a violence you know, in in a sense. So he mightn't have intended directly for people to take up arms, but you could strongly argue that he was reckless as to the impact of the speech and the words he used. So that will be covered by this legislation, and I think that's important. Yeah. Mm. But I also think it's important, uh, Seamus, just want to touch on there, like we need... um we need an equality strategy going forward. Yes. And, yes. and and that's something that we, I've done some pieces of work on and that in the last uh, year and a half. But again, that's nowhere in sight. Unless we have true equality, what we see in other European uh, countries, like, you know, I don't believe to a certain extent we will ever have true equality. But, you know, where people are not just squashed down the very end of our society and you speak about that yourself uh, Rory around homelessness and uh, you know not having that safety and like people's basic human rights should be met and this government and previous governments should be ashamed of themselves when they haven't even got the very basic uh, equality strategy now we have got a racist uh, uh, strategy plan but again where there's action 
very, very little action on that, you know. Um, and, 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 and we talk about mental health and well-being and stuff. But when you're from a minority group and it's, it's, it's okay uh, to go through racism and discrimination and to be put down and to be let down because of who you are. And again, you can't help the family you're brought, brought into. You can't help the class you're brought into as well. And, and what we're doing is we're giving people very little opportunities um, economically as well to be successful in the world because of the class that they come from, you know. So I think an awful lot of work needs to be done on, on that, uh, so that we can bring around true equality for people who are uh, working class, for members of the traveller community and other people and the marriages of Irish society. I don't believe there's an awful lot of talk and I think, you know, like poverty is still a real issue within uh, Irish society and we don't speak about it enough and we, we need to be uh, speaking around poverty, what poverty is, just, just because um, just because we see a young person with a pair of night runners doesn't mean that they're not in poverty, you know, uh, the, the the loans that people take out through credit unions, uh, through banks, uh, other uh, financial services. Like we really need to um, work from the from the grassroots up and go back to ordinary, old-fashioned community development work because community development works on the ground and it can support families and people to come out of poverty, empower people to empower themselves really. And again, as Seamus has said, if people are empowered, if people have quality of life and being able to thrive within their communities, well then you won't see the level of uh, of, of uh, prosecutions and hate crime in, in, in Irish society, you know? Absolutely, Eileen. Again, you know, you've you know, really explained it and, and, you know, made the case for it so, so clearly. Um, and it is about that, you know, the socioeconomic inequalities as well and how they, you know, as we describe, intersect with the identities, the, you know, the ethnic minorities and, and that discrimination. And they, they compound each other and compound exclusion. And, you know, the housing and homelessness is one example. And, you know, the housing conditions that travelers are left in you know, disabled people face, you know, one parent families, it's all who are affected disproportionately in the private rented sector. Yeah. You even see that going up the doors. Like I remember one time going to a nightclub with a person and I got left in, but uh, he didn't. And the reason why he didn't, he was wearing a jacket, like, you know, by the look of him, whatever working class is, but you know, and uh, he, he was refused entry because yeah. he didn't, you know, that kind of way. And I wasn't now very, that's very few um, far between. But I'm only saying, like, I have seen working class people experience yeah. racism, going to uh, nightclubs, going to pubs, going into restaurants. Um, as I, I have seen members of my own community as well. And I know Senator Lin Yuan has done an awful lot of work in trying to get um, uh, economic uh, yeah. e- equality and also to be recognised as one of the, not, instead of having nine grounds of discrimination, to have the ten. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, the government... Uh, don't don't want that you know but it is something that we 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 need to look at and tease out as well you know yeah very good point that's exactly the point i was going to make i think there's a very strong case to be made for socioeconomic background to be a protected characteristic in equality legislation that people are discriminated against on their working class background that could be on the basis of their address it could yeah. be on the basis of the school they went to. It can be on the basis of their accent. You know, they're all can be 
proxy indicators of somebody's class. And people live with that discrimination every day. And also within the working class, all the other minorities exist. There are disabled working class people. There are traveler working class people. So it's not as if the groups are separate from each other. They overlap and they are, all, you know, the identities are shared. People and at live- one point, Seamus, because I am going to forget it. Sorry now, I'm so passionate yeah. about this. Is our justice system. When you're taking a discrimination case, you have to go to the workers' rela- relation court. And that, and I've been there. I've worn that effing T-shirt more than once. And I have to say, they're such a tough cases to take. And I remember, actually, I was six months pregnant down with Dr. Billy. And the judge said, you don't look like a traveler, he said. And uh, But I'm, I was there trying to explain to him why I speak like a traveler. And I know that the, the security person knew I was a member of the traveler community. But I couldn't prove that he knew it, you know. And in some cases, I can say, what does a traveler person look like? What does a working class person look like? And, you know, let me be honest, when you know, you know, or you can make an assumption as well, we're all just human beings at the end of the day, you know, that kind of way. And and, and, and as Seamus said, like I remember that blatant, that blatant uh, discrimination from a from a club, not in a club, it was a late bar in, um, in, in Lucan and being refused. And that's done, like, I didn't even, I didn't have the energy or the, like, we're travellers and people from minority groups and working class people should have free legal aid to be able to take equality cases, you know? Yes. So, like, I think there is an equality law review underway at the moment under Roderick O'Gorman, and I think he is undertaking to look at this socioeconomic discrimination. I read something um both from the Dáil and in a, one of the newspapers, that they were looking at socioeconomic ground as one of the areas to be protected. And, and of course, you know, it, it, it's part of um, the society that we live in that it suits ruling groups and, you know, establishment to have this division. You know, discrimination is not just doesn't come out of nowhere. It is fed by... You know, yeah. the media, it's fed by, of course, yeah. Trump and right wing politicians who want to actually defend the level of wider wealth and society and privilege inequality. And so this actually, yeah. you know, it's the famous one, divide and conquer. And, and that's yeah. the other side of it. Absolutely. Um, it's like the current um, issue about um, homelessness and in a sense, blaming migrants and asylum seekers as uh, creating the homelessness problem or pressure on public services. All of those pressures existed before uh, migration ex- uh, increased significantly into Ireland. But it's an easy narrative to fall into to um, to blame the migrants. And that is happening. That said, I believe that, and we're going into a much wider debate here, that you know when people... Um, in East Wall or in various communities express concern about incoming migrants, I don't think you can dismiss them as just racist white Irish communities. They are often highly deprived, socially excluded groups. And out of their claim on basic respect and dignity, they deserve to be engaged with from the beginning communicated with, consulted and involved in what happens that impacts their community. 
And yeah. I, I think because partly it's a crisis management, but also it's partly got to do with a disrespect from the state for communities that they are not involved. And that lack of involvement impacts the reception that incoming communities get. And to just dismiss the receiving communities as somehow backward and racist is wrong. It's unfair. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I, I totally agree. 150% agree because, you know, we all heard the terms of oppressed people becoming oppressors. When you're living in the, in, in the down, in the dumps in an Irish society where at a European level and a, and a national level, you know, uh, people might think there's no, uh, poverty within our country. Again, there's a lot of poverty. And when you're desperate, uh, at this cost of living, desperate, uh, to, to, to feed your children every week, you're desperate to pay, pay your bills, turn on your life your bit of hate and whatever it may be you know what I mean you are going to buy into that and I think like even within my own community people buying into that owl, uh, you know and, and this was the case many years ago as well uh, Rory and Seamus for the traveller community so look at the travellers they're, they're not paying their taxes the travellers are not uh, uh, like you know it was those now it's migrants uh, and, and now it's migrants and refugees and this two terrorist system that we can't hide away from that the government has put in place as well, like the pure races as well, you know, and we have to realize that it's not a human, it's not another human being's fault, an ordinary human being's fault, the housing crisis within, uh, within Ireland, the, the forces at the government and then um, the deaths that we're seeing on our streets in the homeless uh, sector. It's, it's in, it's, it's the government's fault, not other uh, refugees, it's not migrants' fault. And I think that's a very important, uh, very important comment, uh, uh, Seamus, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's good enough to blame other people. But again, the, we have to be holding our governments to account. And I, I wouldn't, you know, like we really need yeah. to come we together. Have, with yeah. We have a very, very long legacy of underinvestment in basic infrastructure services, underinvestment in housing, underinvestment in healthcare, underinvestment in education, huge underinvestment in childcare. And then you could extend that out to public transport and other areas. If if you have a public infrastructure that's consistently under pressure and fraying at the edges, and you bring in significant migrant population uh, with a rapid increase in numbers, of course that's ripe for tension between communities. But the the challenge goes back to the government, and if it had invested well in a decent level of public services for the whole population in all its diversity, then you are likely to minimise the intercommunity tensions that will arise. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and of course it is. It is back to you know when you look at housing and you look at you know as you say healthcare the impacts of the austerity period, you know, the cuts that happened, that those public services were the ones that were hammered. It was, you know, poor communities, disadvantaged communities who bore the hardest brunt of that as well. And they've just been completely abandoned. But you know, like, Rory, I have to say one thing on this podcast. And again, you know, it's so important to highlight it. Hoteliers are making money off the back of uh, people's, uh, you know, uh, uh, misfortunes, if you want, homeless people, uh, refugee people, uh, people, uh, migrant people. And I think that's 
absolutely ridiculous. You know, talking about war crimes and uh, uh, Russia and everything else at the moment. What about the crimes that our government is doing to uh, ordinary human beings, including uh, people from minority groups, uh, uh, ordinary uh, working class people, uh, homeless, putting them into, um, if you want to say, in, in, into, a, into a room in a, in a hotel and, you know, their dignity and pride being taken away from them. Is that not a crime? In my opinion, that's a crime. That's a crime. And I've seen that with members of my family, my extended family, living in hotels. And and again, like when we're talking about the Ireland's own, who is Ireland's own? Because people are getting, uh, they're not getting housed. They're getting horrible, unsustainable, uh, um, inhumane accommodation. And we have to really think about that. You know what I mean? So nobody is getting housed. We have to think about the live what people are living in, you know, and 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 and, and around. Um, in in my opinion, uh, the Irish state have an awful long way to go before before we're protecting any group. And when we talk about homelessness, people are often forgetting that these are our our rundown schools, our rundown buildings, our uh, hotels that nobody would use anymore, and yet they're making a profit off it. And then look at the hate crime legislation that we're looking at now. But there's nowhere in this uh, legislation that's going to protect people and the internet, people and social media. If you look at Twitter, Twitter is making millions of euros off hate speech. Uh, so, uh, other Instagram, TikTok, they're making money off this. So yeah. why stop it if they're making money from it? And it's the same way with homelessness. If they're making money from it, hoteliers are making money from it. So no, why, why stop it? And yeah. it's a profit to them while it's, people, while it's ordinary human beings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're you're right. I think um, you know, that's been really, really engaging and um I think informative in terms of the the bill. Um and you know, I think Eileen and Seamus, you both set out really, really well what the yeah, I suppose the, the significance and importance of the bill, but also potential, you know, areas it needs to be strengthened and then the wider question of, of inequality and how we need to address that structurally. Um, so listen, I really appreciate both of you coming on Reboot Republic today uh, for giving the time and best of luck, Eileen, as always. Um, fantastic to hear you and see you in the Shannon. Um, and yeah, best of luck. And Seamus, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you v- very much, Rory. All the best. Thanks, Rory. Thanks a million, Seamus. Talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Eileen. See you soon. Bye-bye. And listen, listeners, as always, we uh, really appreciate the... Um, People who are patrons, who are supporters of Reboot Republic, we are independent media produced uh, by Tortoise Shack Media. If you can, please become a patron, support us, help us to keep the show on the road. Uh, Go over to patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack. And also, if you have any thoughts, let us know. We love to hear your response and feedback and share the podcast around as well. And yeah, take action as well if you can. Talk to people. Let's make this the Republic of, of Republic of Equality that we believe in and believe it can and will be. Thank you so much. I will talk to you all very, very soon.